1: Jason, I'm a guy in long term recovery.
0: I'm Billy, I'm a person in long term recovery.
1: And we wanted to wrap up some of our talk about freedom last week. We really enjoyed it. We got a lot of feedback about last week's episode uh, and I greatly appreciate it. It helped us think about it. A lot of people helped to put it in perspective of like what feels free and, and just the freedom of not being in the bondage of addiction, which Surely. I mean, we, you know, gave us the freedom to sit here and babble about whether we're actually free or not. Because if not, I wouldn't have had an hour and a half to dedicate to Billy. Uh, I'd have been out there using. Um, So, yeah, Brittany, Julie, uh, Jenny, you know, Stephanie, uh, a lot of our usuals had comments. We talked about the Matrix. We talked about... Buddha, we talked all kind of different stuff. Um, one of the mo- more interesting things, uh, somebody recommended a podcast, and so I listened to that, and it was the concept of, we kind of take prisoners uh, in our lives, and this keeps us from being free, because we then have to be the wardens of the jail, and, you know, kind of like if you're taking care of a prisoner, it takes a lot of money, it takes a lot of taxpayer money to take care of any of our prisoners in our society, and so we take on prisoners that our happiness depends on. Right? If you don't live this way, I won't be happy. Or if you don't do these things, I won't be loved. And so uh, the whole podcast basically revolved around the idea that I can't be free until I give everyone around me their freedom. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was really interesting. And it almost made me think of if all our spiritual principles work that way. Like, can you I feel do- them more when you give them away? Like, that's the only way to get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, I can only get love if I
0: give love. And, well, in love specifically, that's what I, the way love was always explained to me is is love isn't something you get. I mean, you can be loved, but it's not something you get to, like, grab and hang on to. It's something that you give to other people. That's what love. And if I say I love someone, that doesn't mean, like, when I say I love my wife, that doesn't mean I love my wife because she does my laundry and cooks my food and, you know, whatever. It's... When I, if I really love someone, it's what am I giving to that person? How am I making their life better? How am I you know, giving love to them, not just receiving love? Does that work with
1: honesty, though? Like, am I only getting honesty if I give it away? Or I, I think it's not even so much about, I don't think any of these are what I'm getting. I think it's just, am I living it? And that's what I'm living in. Like, that's the spiritual principle. Like, it's when I give it that I'm living it. I'm not running around looking for honesty to come my way or open-mindedness to, you know, for somebody to give me some willingness. Like, it's all about what am I doing? Am I giving this out to the world?
0: Yeah. Am I being an honest person in my life? Yeah. Am I giving honesty to the world? Yeah. So I guess
1: freedom is the same way. Maybe freedom is a spiritual principle. We just need to live it by letting everybody be free.
0: Yeah. Uh, And... We're lucky. Sometimes it's easy to get out of perspective of like in some of these other countries, they don't have freedoms like we have here. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there are literally countries where you're not allowed to have meetings, you know, recovery meetings or, you know, you're not allowed to openly be an addict or they'll put you in Mm -hmm. camps and shit like that. (laughs) You know, so there are some levels of freedom that we get in this country uh, that might allow us to. Take that a little bit for granted.
2: Yeah, I can
0: I can see that. I, I'm
1: currently struggling with uh, you know not doing the the smoking or vaping or anything, and it just it like it doesn't feel like freedom. <laughs> it feels like I'm I'm struggling and stuck into this miserable little box where because here's my problem is I want to be a non-smoker, but I want to smoke. Right? Mm. That's like being a faithful husband that sleeps with other women and. <laughs> And you know, a uh, uh, guy in recovery who uses drugs—like they don't work together. Right. But that's what I want. I, I want the joys of what I call the joys of smoking without all the extra
0: bullshit that comes right. with it. So I want to use with no consequences. That's yes, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what. That's the fuck exactly I want. what it is. Yeah. yeah. And we were just—you know—I was on vacation with my wife this last week, and and we talked a lot about that. It's like I've heard people say, you know. I stopped using because it stopped working, and it that isn't how it went for me. I loved getting high. I still love getting high. I don't do it because the consequences sucked. Right? You know, my life was in shit. I couldn't be the person that I wanted to be. But the getting high part, that was great. You know, (laughs) when I was high, things were good. It was the consequences. You know,
1: I'm trying to. I don't remember it really being that good at the end. There wasn't a whole lot of getting high either. It was mostly just like getting well or getting by at the end for me so it wasn't a
0: whole lot of like
1: oh man I'm so high I, I'm past like I was just passed out honestly
0: when I got high I was not it a- and so I have a little bit of a weird story like my end what I would call my end when I got clean this time wasn't the worst part of my life using you know what I mean like right. what had happened for me I had gotten really bad into heroin for four or five years And I ended up going to jail for a year, so I got off of heroin while I was in jail. And when I got back out of jail, I said, well, I'm just not going to do heavy drugs anymore. I'm just going to drink and smoke pot. Mm. So I did that for another three or four years, and I never did heroin, coke, no heavy drugs again. But my life just stayed, you know, fucked up in that continuous pattern of, you know, violate probation, get a DUI, get in trouble, never having any money, you know, but... When I was using heroin on a daily basis, my life was way worse <laughs> yeah. than it was you know, at my end when I got clean. Really? So my decision to get clean was solely based off of the consequences of this behavior just aren't worth it anymore. You know?
1: mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't... See, and that's, I think, the hardest part about the smoking, right? Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of consequences from it, but they are so minimal in comparison to the, the life-altering consequences of drug use, right? Like, there's a ton of life-altering consequences with
0: drug use that make you say, Damn, maybe I really need to get my shit together. Smoking? It's all later on. Right, well, I was going to say, when you say minimal, it's not it's, minimal... It's, it's minimal it's, today. Yes, it's it's not noticeable it's, today. It's inconvenient. Um, But, you know, watching say, my mom, go through what she went through at the end. She had, you know, years of time where she was wheeling around the oxygen thing and couldn't do certain activities or was very limited in the amount of physical, you know, stuff she could do. And, and they told her she wouldn't, would only live, I think, two gave her two or three years, and she ended up living for, like, almost 10 after that. But that was not a very good quality of life Right. You know, it wasn't the quality of life that we were used to. You know, when she was growing up, you know, when our kids were growing up and she was a big part of their life, I mean, she would, her and my dad would come down to the beach with us on vacations and we would go out for the whole day and, you know, do stuff and go out to eat. She couldn't do any of that at the end of her life, hmm. you know. She couldn't barely go out to a restaurant. I mean, if we went out to a restaurant that was like a big deal, it was a production, and that was all she could do. Right. Know? So you know that 40 years that she smoked i guess those consequences might have seemed pretty minimal but that last 8 to 10 years probably felt like a pretty big consequence you know
1: and that's and that's where the hard part is so i want the better ending right but then i got all the justifications and the and the rationalizations i'm like well my parents and my wife's parents don't do the stuff they like when our kids were really young, man, they'd go walk Disney with us for full days and for the whole week and they're like they don't want to do that shit now. They don't get off the couch. And I'm like maybe it's just an age thing. Fuck it, I'll keep smoking, right? <laughs> like but I, I do want to be available for my grandkids. I do want to live as long as possible to, you know, participate in life and it's like those are things that i want i also want to fucking smoke right now or vape or do something like i it's just so dumb and maybe it's only where i'm at right now maybe after you know
0: four or five days i'll i'll feel real happy that i quit right now i don't (laughs) yeah And, and sometimes it's the simple things that we learn in recovery about you know making a Making an inventory, uh, you know, a positive-negative inventory. What are the benefits of smoking? What are not the benefit? You know, the, the consequences of smoking. And just even writing that down, keeping it in your pocket or just having it in your head to pull up, like, when those urges come. I mean, you know, even with the amount of time I have clean, I still, you know, romantically fantasize about getting high sometimes. You know, it just it happens. But I, like, yeah, and, Laugh about the good times for a little bit. And then remember the end times for a little bit. And it's like, yeah, I think we'll hold off for today. Like, I like my life the way it is now versus what it was then. You know? yeah.
1: I I did. I enjoyed the freedom of not having to vape. I think there was, and, and not so much a positive, negative inventory, but I've kind of nailed down the things I don't like about it as I go. Because they just pile up, right? And I got this long list of like, Man, I gotta rely on this thing. Man, I get more frustrated when I when I can't use this vape. Right when I have to like wait for a certain time to be able to use it, I get fucking annoyed with that. Right? <laughs> People get on my nerves more. I felt less in touch with the world. I started to feel like less in touch with the world. And who knows? Maybe I was just depressed anyway. Like it might have had nothing to do with that. But it, All right. I was like, damn, here I am. I got a coping mechanism. Now I don't feel as in touch with humans anymore. And it's like. I don't want that kind of shit, but fuck, I don't want to not smoke, man. It's, like, such a hard... I just, I guess I... I, And I don't remember... I don't remember the getting clean part so much. It was almost like... I'm pretty sure it was miserable. I was probably stuck in prison, honestly, so... (laughs) I, I didn't have much choice. I just knew it was going to be miserable, and there was more acceptance, right? I feel like there's a lack of acceptance that this is what I'm doing right now. I'm still, like am I really doing this? I know it's like day three, but am I really doing it? Like, am I, am I just fucking around with it? Quitting? Or am I really, qui- like, if you'd lock me in a cage somewhere, I'd be like, eh, I guess I'm not fucking smoking
0: today. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Let me move on and do something better with my thoughts in life, but. Yeah, the basics, man. Just for today. Just for today, you made a decision. Is that the decision you made this morning? You're not going to smoke today?
1: I don't, I think I, no, I made it yesterday. <laughs> but now but you I haven't have, made that today. Well, I left
0: the house today that's the scary part I left the
1: house mm. and I'm gonna leave the house again I'm going hiking later and I'm like if I leave the house man it's so easy I might need gas I might have to stop at the gas station <laughs> gotta go it right like I
0: don't know mm. yeah that's tough it's stupid
1: but I've had a vape in my house the entire time and I just like put it in a bag and put it in a drawer the night Thursday night and so I mean I could have pulled that out at any point in time I just haven't I don't fucking know why I yeah. did not do that hypnotism thing maybe that's
0: yeah, it's weird too. I mean, my wife struggles with the smoking part, and it's been so long for me. I actually quit smoking before I got clean. I, I don't. So I had quit everything like three months before I actually got clean. I said I just went on this like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna stop everything. I'm not smoking, drinking, nothing. Just quitting everything. I'm gonna get healthy, go exercise." Do you how miserable you were? <laughs> well. No, not now. I don't. But So I did that, and then within a couple weeks, I started drinking again and getting high again, but mm-hmm. I just didn't smoke cigarettes again. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's weird. I don't, I, that whole part of my life was a blur. I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess I have a lot of sympathy right
1: now for anybody who's going through the, uh, the early portion of quitting anything. Like, I, I don't remember it being this miserable. Maybe I was just super depressed and never got out of bed and at that point in my life it didn't matter nobody cared
0: but yeah and I think about that a lot I was not miserable when I first got clean I was like I don't know I I I didn't have a lot of urges to use early on I don't and that's what I, I feel like I should have like I feel like you know I don't know that something was wrong with me but I just that wasn't like once I said I'm fucking done with this I don't want to do this anymore and I committed to N.A. and that just is where I put all my focus and energy and I didn't really have overwhelming desires to use. Well, and I had a desire
1: to be clean, right? Like using had gotten so bad that I had a desire to stop that. And then when I found a little bit of freedom and and not having to use, yeah, I got excited. I was like, oh my God, this shit's working. I'm (laughs) right. let's do this. And it felt... Good, right? right? I did not want to go back to using right then and there. I'm sure there's some times along the way where, you know, some feelings came up. It probably sounded like a good idea. But in that beginning, I didn't. And that's honestly working against me right now because I'm like, see, you're just going to smoke again anyway because you're not done with it. You didn't hit that bottom. (laughs) So you might as well do it now. (laughs) I might use
0: again, you know? I don't don't know that I'm done with using forever. Right. right. I'm done with it today you know like today that's not on the agenda yeah. I don't know about tomorrow or next year or whatever can you imagine you know? God
1: that'd be awful depends I don't know
0: I could picture a cool scenario really yeah go down to South America out with the natives out into the woods <laughs> and do some you know is that using ayahuasca <laughs> ceremony are we sure so, I mean? could say it's spiritual it was a spiritual thing, it was a spiritual thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's my higher power said it's okay to do ayahuasca <laughs> <laughs> i had to meet my higher power in person
1: all right so uh kirsten's about to be on you ready to it was a great conversation about freedom we definitely appreciate everybody's feedback um it was it was some good stuff uh, it helped us really entertain the idea of freedom and what it means for us and and I mean, even helping me now. Explore the idea of what does this freedom from smoking look like to me? Is it really worth it? Does it mean something? And and I would say it must mean fucking something for me to torture myself to try to be here and not smoke, right? Like, if it is making me unhappy and I still want to see what's on the other side, it must, that freedom must mean something. Right. It must be pretty powerful to call me to,
0: to want it. Yeah, so, and there is a weird, to, to me, oxymoron with... As long as I don't use or smoke or whatever, I'm free. I can have the freedom to make a choice whether I want to use or not. But as soon as I make the decision to use and do it, I give up that freedom because I become enslaved to the What's, drugs. Going yeah.
1: back to last week, yeah. if you make a choice, you're fucked. You're yeah. no longer free. You're free until you make a choice. That's, our, that's my take on it. Well, that's I'm making
0: choice. the choice now not to do it. That's the freedom.
1: And that's not really... I'm only free if I make one of the choices. You can take path A or path B. If you choose path A, you'll remain free. If you choose path B, you won't. But then you always got to take path A.
0: So I would say I don't know 100% if I use tomorrow that I would use for the rest of my life. There's a chance I might be able to manageably use in some way. Um, that's always a... there's a chance that would happen. Right. Um, but I don't want to take that chance. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a chance that it wouldn't go that way. And the risk to me isn't worth it. <sighs> yeah, I can, yeah, It's like jumping out of an airplane, parachuting. I just, it's just not something I want to try today. Sounds exciting. There was a time in my life I thought it was fun and exciting and I would have loved to do it. Now I'm like, meh, I'll pass. Even if you said you wanted to pay for it. Be like, nah, I'll stay here on the ground and <laughs> go jump out of an airplane on.
1: Oh I don't know. It's funny because I've always been against doing that, and now I think I'm in a place where I might.
0: <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope Inc, a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery. By advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring, please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. We're going to segue here from having the freedoms to make these decisions, and we're going to have a conversation about what ways to make decisions to stay out of sticky situations early on in recovery. That might lead to not being free anymore. Kirsten, this is (laughs)
2: Bill. Sorry. Hey, how are you? Hello. Have I seen you before? Maybe.
0: Uh, I've been around like the Elkton area meetings. So Jason said you were at Mm. one of the
2: recovery houses. Yes, I was at Charlotte. How long were you there? Am I allowed to say that? Six months, like a week shy of six months, maybe two weeks shy of six months.
1: Okay. Kim, uh, yes. So how much of that are you willing to talk about?
2: Oh, I mean, I, I can talk about that shit. Whatever. Oh, my, my bad. Whatever you want to ask me.
1: Okay. So, I mean, uh, I think generally we're going to... Oh, and it's okay we Oh, yeah, we can. I think generally we're, we're going for how to avoid situations that can lead to like relapse or or drug use uh that's the goal here
2: so yeah we figure
1: we we definitely need to include somebody that's you know i mean that's something i definitely i went through the first five years of being clean like how do you fucking avoid family reunions or when people are having crabs or uh but i'm not like i kind of have an established plan that's so established i don't really think about it anymore which is why it makes more sense to have somebody that's, you know, trying to figure out and navigate that plan.
2: Yeah, because I was about to say, I don't, like, I don't really have, like, an established plan in my head. Like, I'll just, like, before I go to each uh, outing or whatever, I'll just be like, I need to make sure I have a ride just in case I, like, I, I got to make sure I have an out. You know, like mm. I don't go anywhere where I would be stuck that place, you know.
1: Right. Well that's good. So we'll get to that. So uh
2: <clears throat>
1: this isn't your first time in recovery, right?
2: No. Uh I've tried like probably like seven times before I got it. Um not saying I have it, don't say that, you know, but <laughs> so far so far it's it's been okay, you know.
1: Right. What kind well, of success have you had before?
2: Uh, probably, like, if I'm being honest with myself, I wasn't being honest with others. I used to say, like, three months, uh, but it was probably, like, two months tops.
1: And what happened each time?
2: Uh, I would drink. I would get around the wrong crowd, and I would drink, and then that would just set me off from there. Because, like, you drink, you want to do something else. You know, it's not good enough.
1: Right. Were you hanging around, uh, NA people at those times, or were you just doing your own thing?
2: No, uh <laughs> um no, definitely not. Like I would go to any groups, I'd be like there at the time it's supposed to be. I'd walk in with my boyfriend. I wouldn't share what I would need to share. I would just kind of listen um and leave. I mean, like I wouldn't really talk to many people before or after. Never got any numbers like I thought I had like I had a sponsor but I didn't use her. Like, I just asked her one day because I knew who she was, but, like, I didn't use her.
1: Right. Did you get the boyfriend in recovery? Like, did you find him at NA and then just went to meetings with him? Or?
2: We used together. Um. So, so it was, like, this game where, like, we'd get out of rehab and, like, we both would have, we both relapsed, but we both would act like we're clean and then, like, kind of accuse each other of relapsing. <laughs> um. So, like, it was like that, but then we would both, like, I don't know, one day we would just both use together again, and then it was off to the races, you know?
1: So, what what's different this time? Like, what has led you to want to do something different? I mean, maybe it's just time, but, but you, you went, went into, into a recovery house this time, and you haven't done that before, right?
2: No. That okay. was definitely, I always used excuses, like, oh, my daughter, and this and that, but, uh... Uh, so like I was living in a trailer with people I didn't know, um, just because they would like I was being fed drugs, like like somebody liked me in there. Yeah, so I'm living in a trailer, um, and basically prostituting myself to this guy, uh, for drugs, like because my my grandmother found a needle in her bed in her my daughter's bed. And um, she was, like, it was finally, like, the end of it. It was, like, she'd been dealing with this for so many years. And, like, that was, and I, you know, I'm proud of her for that because she was my enabler. She didn't mean to be. But, you know, she was scared to see me out on the streets and stuff. And that's what kept me going is because, like, I knew, like, you know, you have your own struggles and addiction and with, like, getting it and stuff like that. But, like, when you don't have a place to go, that amps up your problem so like she stopped enabling me stopped buying me cigarettes she just completely cut me off and uh yeah so I'm in this trailer with this dude and like he thinks that I'm her his girlfriend like and uh he's feeding me drugs mm-hmm. so like but like I overdosed a few times there and um I was like doing meth I was really like out of it and um like the last time I overdosed it was just like I'm tired I'm tired of this. Like, this is not the life I want. Like I'm looking around, like, I don't know. I had a moment of clarity and it was like when I, so I packed my stuff and left, got myself into a rehab. And like, when I was there, I was like, you know, if I go back, I'm, it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again. So like, I'm going to try a halfway house. And like, I tried the halfway house, you know, (laughs) you did. you You did. So what, what ended up, why did you leave there? Uh, personal circumstances, I didn't listen to the rules. Mm. Uh, I You know, I was there long enough, and uh, I was not listening to the rules. I wasn't listening to, because there was, a, it's a year rule in N.A., so, like, at the halfway house, there's a year rule there. And uh, I was being sneaky, and that was actually, like, that, being sneaky is actually a relapse accident, mm. uh, action, sorry. Um, but yeah, I was being sneaky and I got pregnant and like, I went to Trish and was just like, look, uh, you know, I'm pregnant and, um, you know, I'll go pack my stuff because you know, I, I, I broke the rules. So like, you know, uh, I regret that because like two weeks later I had a miscarriage and like, I don't Mm know. Um, I don't know, like maybe I shouldn't have. Did what I did, and maybe I wouldn't be where I was because, like, when I got out, it was not—it was not what I thought it to be. Um, it was—it was hard. It was really hard, you know. Like, but,
1: like it felt safer in the
2: house. Well, yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was like I had everything set out for me. I had people making my decisions, and like not having to question whether them decisions were wrong or not. Like, and hmm. then. You know, it's just, you know, the the freedom, too. It's, you know, what am I going to get myself into?
1: Right, right. So when you would try these things before, uh, you would go back to using, you were still hanging around old people, places and things, I imagine.
2: Yeah, I was still in that same neighborhood still contacting the same people um like because i used to sell drugs so um i had i know a lot of people i know a lot of addicts and like it would be cordial at first because i would like oh i'm clean and they'd be like yeah that's cool and then one day it would just be like hey you know where anything's at and they you know they're they're willing to get it because they know that like the situation will come out in their favor
1: right so what uh how did you uh, did- you just avoid that because of the house or i mean once you left the house did you still avoid old people places and things
2: yeah like right now to be honest i don't think i could hit like anybody up and know where to find stuff like i would actually have to work at it something you know if you want it you're gonna get it but like i've distanced myself enough to where like if I have a craving and like I like and I have done it, like I've I've started thinking and going in my head, like who will I even call? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Like it's like I've distanced myself enough from that life in general that like, and then like some friends I had that weren't users, but like they would sell, like they would be like, "Fuck no, sorry for the language," but they would be like, "No, like th- they've seen my progress and they wouldn't, you know, do it, you know." So. Like, that's just like, you have to distance yourself from that stuff. You have to literally live a completely different life or it's not going to, I don't, it's not going to work.
1: Have you done any looking into your, your mental health at all since you've been in recovery?
2: Oh yeah. In the house, we went to, uh, we went to the therapist and we got our meds and stuff like that. Um, but I will say when I left, I stopped taking my meds. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and that's detrimental. And um, I just, like, started taking them again because, like, you think that um, you're okay. Especially if you're bipolar or BPD. Like, you start thinking, oh, you know, I'm okay. And you'll stop taking them. And then, like, you'll quickly realize that uh, that's why I felt okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. Do you have anything, though? What
0: do you, you feel like, like that? Like, the that? <laughs> like house experience was that? Good for you. Was that
2: positive for your recovery this time? Oh, yeah. Like, if it wasn't for that house, I, I wouldn't have made it. I still wouldn't be making it. Um, A lot of the things I learned there, I still do, like, to this day. I mean, some stuff I, you know, was a little rebellious on when I first left, but, like, um, no, like, a lot of the st- stuff that um, they've taught me, I still implement today, and I, you know, I do owe them a lot, like, not like you know what i'm saying like i owe them their props because they are you know they they set my foundation and um i wouldn't be where i am if it wasn't for them like they really did help me yeah and how did you find
0: them did you find them through treatment or how did you get find cecil county
2: so somebody in the health department uh referred me to them um and they took me down there and everything and um Yeah, it it was, I don't know, like, that experience was, like, the best part of my life right now. Like, Mm. I miss it every day. Like, the girls, the camaraderie, like, is that how you say it? Yeah, like, I miss it because, like, you always have a girl to go talk to about, like, your real feelings. Like, these girls are really friends with you. Like, these girls really love you. They're not trying to get anything from you. You know, and when you go out into the world, it's like you have to start deciphering that. Like you have to start mm-hmm. deciphering if your friends are really your friends. There you know. Like it's hard to navigate through that sometimes.
1: It's interesting. Uh, looking at a couple of lists of, you know, things that can be detrimental to early recovery or, or can lead us back to, you know, using type situations or, or just situations that put us in you know, a dangerous place, uh, talks about isolation being one of them. We are such good isolators.
2: Oh, and, yes.
1: You know, we, I don't know. I tend to think of the normal things. If I go see people I used to use with, if I go buy a place I used to cub, like those kind of things, obviously. But I don't really consider the isolation as a, as one of them all the time. But it makes sense. And, and with what you're talking about, like you you get clean in this environment where it's safe and talking to people. I, I did that for short i never stayed the full 28 days but the 28 days stint right like i felt safe there it's a safe environment i could talk about my feelings with a couple people and then as soon as i was out of there i didn't have that anymore and i didn't know where to turn to find those similar kind of people I couldn't talk to normal people about my feelings that's weird no <laughs> have
2: you ever told a family member like you ever like And like in early recovery, like maybe they wouldn't act so much as now, but you ever like sat there like with a few months clean and was like, Granny, I wanna use. And like (laughs) the way they react is. Yes. The way they react is so crazy. And you don't realize that like that's what you get from other addicts is like, you know, you could be like, yo, like I really wanna smoke some crack today or whatever. And they'll be like, yeah. Me too, but we're not going to do it, you know, but like right. your family, they freak out. Like they're like calling the rehabs again. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they don't understand that that's a normal thing. They think that like, once we get clean, we're, we're good. Like,
1: right, right. So are you, you are back in a halfway recovery house type environment, I believe
2: uh kind of I work okay so I work for uh inpatient rehab and I'm a house manager so yeah kind of Mm -hmm. wait one second okay so yeah kind of um I'm just like the manager here then I get paid for it. I mean so yeah but it's like these girls are in such early recovery that like it's very I have to watch like what I say like I mm-hmm. I want to be relatable but like yeah so the meetings I don't concede, like consider meetings for me um because like I can't just like bust out like me like I'm me so like I'm me when I go to NA meeting so it's like I can't say the things I want to say and stuff like that because these girls are very impressionable so like I don't want them to get any bad ideas and like That's the thing is, like, I don't want them to be like, well, this girl, like, wants to use a year-end, like, I don't know, like, that's normal, yeah, and I tell them that, but, like, I don't want, like, very new ones to think, like, it's okay to, I don't know, you know what I'm saying, it's hard to explain.
1: So, do you have, do you find you have to go to meetings uh, with the people in the house and then also go somewhere else for your meetings?
2: Yeah, and it's really hard for me right now, um because of covid and stuff like i can't get to meetings so like like the other day i went to a meeting up in essex it was one lady and uh a zoom meeting so it was like i could have i paid 40 dollars for that like i've been in such need for a meeting now i'm like i don't care like i need to go see some people and then it's i could have zoomed you know so it's <laughs> it's hard navigating it's hard navigating right now so it's like, yeah, I'll do some zooms and stuff, um, and like, I don't know, talking to the girls and stuff kind of help. But like, I don't know, like, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, I'm so into NA that it's like, because that's what kept me clean. That's what saved my life. So why wouldn't I be? You know. So it's it's hard for me right now. It's a little bit of a transition. But it's like up here, I don't know nobody. Like I'm around. I'm not around the people, places, and things at all. So while I'm struggling, it's kind of like. It's like, you know, it's not as uh dangerous.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Cause we we usually at least I tend to think of uh the times, you know, how do I avoid sticky situations? And and I always think of this as like and this is probably a very dated, you know, old school kind of 1970s, don't use drugs kind of thinking, but it's like how do I avoid situations when people invite me places? Because I just assume that's the only time we're going to use is when people <laughs> invite me somewhere. And that's not true. Like, I can get the idea to use them <laughs> on my own. But what kind of situations have you had come up that you've had to, like, either say no to or address?
2: Uh, when I first got out the halfway house, my boyfriend uh, takes me to this, uh, like, birthday party. And they were drinking. So, mm. like... Um, I don't know. Cause he's not an addict. He didn't, he's like, well, there's no drugs here. So like, I don't know. He didn't, he didn't think like that. So, uh, I get there and I I'm seeing they're drinking and like, I kind of stayed like they were in the kitchen I kind of stayed in the living room and, uh, like kind of separated myself from it. But then after a while I was like, give me the keys. I'm, I'm leaving and I went to a straight to a meeting. Like hmm. I just left. I was the asshole that left. I didn't like, they thought, they probably thought I didn't like any of them or something, but that's not, you know, I left, I had to, because like, I was thinking about it, I was thinking about taking a shot, you know, and then it would have been two shots, and it would have been four shots, and it would have been 16 shots, and I'm blacked out, or in the hospital for alcohol poisoning, Right.
1: And and so I guess, I tend to think whenever anybody makes a podcast, or writes a blog, or they have this coaching strategy, and they say, we want you to succeed in recovery. So we need to know what the difference is between you taking the keys and leaving and going and hitting the meeting, and sometime before in your life where you would have just walked out to the kitchen and had a drink with them. Like, what was the difference between those two? And I don't personally know that there is one besides we've hit the bottom. I don't know any better way to explain it. But do you do you feel like there was... Times before where you could have made the decision to leave and go to a meeting and didn't? Or, and what changed?
2: Uh, NA. Like I'm like actually involved in NA and that just them that once you get some NA in you, it's like if it, if it, it, it I know would have been a guilty feeling. I know I would have threw away all this work I would have did. Like I did so much work on myself. I got so far. Like I'm just working at McDonald's and I just got out of halfway house, but that is so far for me. Just mm. the just being able to wake up every day and be a human, you know? So um, I would threw all that away because I knew I was able to think forward. You know, I, I was never able to, I was always lying to myself before thinking that I could uh just have one. Like that's, that's a lie we tell ourselves. And now I know it's not the truth because of all my experimenting. Like you get to a point where like, you're like, all right, the experiment's over. Like I, I definitely can't. I definitely can't tweak it. I've tweaked it every which way. I can't. I can't do it. I like. I surrender. Like,
1: would you say that's that's humility? Do you think that's what that is? That just understanding of who we really are.
0: Well, I think it's a human connection. Like you get connected to people. It's like she talked about her experience in the halfway house to developing those relationships, and then developing relationships with people in NA. You start to have like some relationships, relationships based on like accountability and being a decent human being. And like that that make you feel like a
1: halfway normal person hmm, that could be it so it's interesting that we don't get those relationships from our families at some point like we deviate from having that type of relationship with them to go to that animalistic level but then it takes like getting vulnerable with these strangers at some point in our life in order
0: to come back to that human feeling well and she had talked about it with her boyfriend so my parents would do the same thing like we would get together for like family things and people would be there drinking and they would just be like oh well you can have some beer you know what I mean like that's fine it's the drugs that get you in trouble and I'm like mom you sent me to rehab like five times mm-hmm. you're gonna tell me like you don't understand it's not okay for me to drink you know like they just didn't Because they could just drink and have a couple beers and be fine or, you know, whatever. And they just didn't get that I couldn't do that. They couldn't relate to that struggle.
1: My father,
0: I remember my father saying he was disappointed
1: that I was in N.A. because we'd never be able to go uh, have drinks together. (laughs) Oh,
2: uh, what?
1: And this is the same father that, you know, worried that he was going to get the call every day that I was dead. Right. And yet, you know, In the first few months, he didn't completely understand that concept of like, I just couldn't do those kind of things. I wasn't normal, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah,
0: She talked about with the halfway house with people in recovery. I think that's crucial for people in recovery. I mean, my story was weird. I didn't go to rehab when I got clean this time. I've been to rehab a bunch of times, but I didn't go this time. Uh, I didn't go to halfway house. I still lived in the house with all the guys that I drank and got hot with. Hmm.
2: So that takes some strength, boy. Yeah, I was desperate. Uh, but as soon as I
0: could, like, within a couple of weeks, I got out
2: of there. and You know, it was the same thing. Like, I went to meetings and people
0: said, hey, you really should get out of that situation. You really shouldn't stay there. It's not good for you. You know, and stuff like that. So, you know, I took the advice of people in recovery and started making some different decisions.
1: So, and I and I hear... Kirsten say this to us too: that the NA thing, right? Because of NA, they had, you know, given me some good suggestions. I had made some friendships, and I feel that way about my life too. But what I've been questioning as we do this podcast and learn more about other forms of recovery is it, is it the NA aspect itself, or is it just these things that we're talking about now that we get from it? Is it the accountability? Is it the different information that we've ever gotten? Is it the relationships?
2: Yeah. It's not the uh, okay this might be cut co- this be controversial <laughs> it's not the readings it's not the way the actual meetings are set it's not that it's the step work and it's the connection mm-hmm. you get with other humans I block out them readings now like that's you know it's not it's not and you know it, it's what it's the template they gave us. And like you're supposed to take everything that they ask, like you're supposed to take everything and not leave anything. But like I don't know, like the readings and stuff, like that's in the NA book. I sometimes read the NA, like the the te- basic text. But like it's the human connection that we need. Like we're isolated. That's why we use. We feel like we're not. We're alone. We're not the same as everybody else. Like I still feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I feel like meetings you know, are missing.
2: Um, that I'm not like every like everybody else. So. Like it's the connection. How many meetings am I missing?
1: No, I was gonna say. I, did I you say? Did you would cut out for a slight second there? I was gonna say I feel like meetings now are missing part of that human connection, at least for me, because I, I I've been to a couple and they're not hugging. Well, I'm not hugging, and some of them are, but I'm not. But it's like that's part of what makes you me... want
2: to see the hugs still. Like you want to see them still. I want. I want to hug
1: people. That's what I want. And I,
2: yeah, oh well, God, so God, it's, right it's bad right. now. <laughs> You're so bright to hug people.
1: I am. I That's part of what made me yeah. feel you. Somebody touched me and they were like, hey, welcome. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like, nobody wanted to touch me. You know, I, right, no. I wasn't brushing Exactly. My they were 10 feet away, trying not to smell me.
2: Yeah, now someone's like over willing to hug you. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like I've made it, I've arrived. <laughs>
1: So, okay, so we put ourselves... Uh, and, and I think you've made the case for, uh, you know, staying out of a relationship since your boyfriend put you in a sketchy situation. <laughs> but uh, yeah. what other types of situations have come up? Is, is there any family situations or anything else that is like, you thought, man, if I do this, it's going to be kind of sketchy? Uh,
2: Like, uh, this, like... Hang it. So I've like thought about like hanging out with like maybe my old drug dealer friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? I thought about that at one point <laughs> because I was like that because I was like, look, they could put their stuff up, you know, uh, because they don't use, they could put their stuff up, you know. Um, I won't be around it, you know. Like mm-hmm. that's what I thought, but it's like I have to remember that part of my addiction is selling drugs. Mm-hmm. So just seeing them it's just like you know seeing what they have like stuff like that you know just being around that area just seeing what they have and what I don't like you know that will start making like things turn in my head to where like I'm like well I can just sell it you know like that's a thought that you I'll have it's like I don't have any money right now and maybe I could just sell it and that's not it's not what's possible I'll just do it all right like, i will get it and do it all like i will not be able to sell anything like i'll text all the people or call the people or go somewhere and then do it all like it, i'll have the best intentions and then it will not go through like that
1: where uh what area are you from kirsten
2: i'm from elton are you yeah
1: do you feel like you can hang out in elton right now comfortably
2: I don't. Uh, Like, I go down to my grandma's and I stay isolated in her house. Like, I'm, like, on lockdown. Like, if I do anything. Like, I go. I could do errands comfortably and stuff like that. But, like, actually hanging out in the neighborhoods and play, like going places with people, that's something I avoid.
1: Is that the area you used to, you
2: know, use in? Yeah. I used to use, sell drugs there, all that. Like, I used to do all that there. That's my stopping grounds like hundred percent. Right. Like I did a lot of damage out there.
1: So if we if we avoid the people we used to use with and if we avoid the places we used to use and and, and I guess things is avoiding the drugs. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> that always seems like yeah, I mean, well, yeah. said there too the lifestyle, like
2: the feeling and um, the dealers and all that, that's part of it. That's it. It gets my heart pumping, you know. Yeah,
0: it's, it's exciting. You know right. I mean? Like there's
1: some adventure in some of that. So I shouldn't go into like giant ceiling crab meat or. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> like, that's a cool. that's yeah
2: that's a relapse action. Right. You know, that's what I like. That's what I like to tell myself is like, you start doing that old stuff, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just gonna it's just gonna be bad. It's gonna add up. I just keep right. having Trish in the back of my head talking about you guys got to stop this sneaky shit like that's that's (laughs) Mm -hmm. what I think of every time I think about doing something like that it's like uh, sneaky shit is what's going to is you think that it's not not going to but that's what's going to lead you back it's going to put you back in that lifestyle bit and piece by piece like and then all of a sudden bam you're there
1: sick as our secrets huh
2: Yes. So it's the truth.
1: So you get, uh, and, and you know, I say this in the most polite way you get kicked out of a recovery house because you've been seeing mm-hmm. a guy when you're supposed to be not seeing people in this recovery house and you've, you know, had sex mm-hmm. and now you're pregnant.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You,
1: you get kicked out of a recovery house where all your support is you, you're pregnant, you, you got like six months clean. How likely did you think it was for you to stay clean with all that going on?
2: Uh, Once I, when I had that miscarriage, I, I honestly don't know how I did it, um, I didn't know how I, like, I honestly don't know how I rejected that prescription from the doctor for perks, like, they, I told them I was an addict, they still kept trying to, I, I told Mm -hmm. them not to write it, they still try to give it to me, they, like, they, up until the end, they still try to keep giving it to me, and, uh, I don't know how I told them no, um, like, I don't know how, it's just, it's every day, got to work at it every day, I don't know how, Uh, but I feel like it wasn't likely, and I feel like everybody else thought it wasn't likely, and the fact that I'm still sitting here is a miracle, you know?
1: I mean, I, I you know, I talked to you a little bit throughout that situation, and, and I just look into, it's weird how, I guess if you've been around here for a while, you, you look at other people's situations, and you're like, well, I've seen something like that, or I've seen exactly that, and <laughs> Yeah, that's probably not going to work out well. Or or you see two two newer members come in and one's like, one doesn't, you know, give a fuck or leave a tip at the diner. They're like the guy who orders more than they even have money for and somebody else will pick it up. And then the other guy's really polite, like has money for a tip and uses manners. And you're like, oh, well, I know which one of these two is going to make it. And it's (laughs) never true. It's
2: the opposite. It's it's, the opposite never really
1: know. Like, at least for me, I've always been like, oh, that guy definitely isn't. And that guy definitely is. And i I'm, I'm never, I mean, sometimes I'm right, but it's not with any regularity. Like, we just yeah. never know. Right?
2: You don't, and you don't. It's just every day, every day. Like, I just don't do it today. I, I'll do it tomorrow, I tell myself, but I ain't going to do it today. And then I just keep going with that. Like, that's helped me a lot. It's like, Yeah, no, I myself, think it, yeah.
1: I think you're onto it with the, with the, just for today. I mean, I think that's the only way this works. Honestly, I just, I'm trying to picture like if there's no formula to pick out, okay, this person isn't doing the formula, they're not going to make it. This person is living the formula, but there is, I haven't yet to figure out any formula. that. It's
2: yourself. It's all up to yourself. It's all up to what you're, where, if you're, if you're tired enough, it's really the gift gift of like desperation. It really Mm. it really is like it's just like i'm never ever ever going to do this again because i am scared shitless that i'm going to end up back where i was like that scares me that haunts me
1: yeah some of the things that i mentioned the the people places and things the poor poor self-care can lead us back to using i would agree with that but i don't know like I, would, I didn't even know how to care for myself early on. And Maybe that's why like, I needed people around so much. I needed a little bit of like help in that self-care department. I needed people to say, "You need to be in bed by ten, and you know, up by eight. And you need to leave the house and get a job, and not just lay here all day."
2: Yeah, yeah. But I think definitely. Uh, Kirsten
0: said something I'm, earlier, which hit with me being, a lot, was
2: you know, not get yourself in a
0: position where you're stuck somewhere, where you always have kind of an out or always have a, a way out. And that was always important to me, like early in recovery, especially. Um, it wasn't my wife then, we were just dating. But when my wife and I were early on and, and dating, we would go out to like shows at clubs and stuff, you know, where people were drinking. And that's like, for me, that was never a area where I used. I wasn't like a club person that went to clubs and drank and, so being in that environment didn't always trigger wanting to get high or used. Um, but there would be times where we would talk about it before we got there. It would be like, look, if either of us starts to feel like in a bad place or wants to drink or whatever, like, we just got to go. And the other person had to be kind of okay with that, you know, going in so that neither of us felt like we were stuck in a situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and that's smart.
0: Yeah. And one time we went to like a, she's she really into the Grateful Dead. So we went to a Grateful Dead concert, and uh, we were there. We paid all this money for tickets. We were there about 20 minutes, not even. Probably went in, found our seats, and she's like, "I got to get the fuck out of here. I can't do this.
2: I bet like this just makes
0: me want to get high too much. Yeah, like, we got to go, and we left.
2: You know, yeah. We left
0: and- and then having that out, knowing that, you know, I was a supporter and, and not feeling, well, no, we got
2: to stay now. <laughs> I'm going to be the asshole that breaks it up. Like, you it know, works. I'm going to be the asshole that makes everybody leave. That's how I felt with the pool party is like, but well, I still did it. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to be an asshole today. Like, I'm an asshole usually. So this is something worth being an asshole about, you know?
0: Yeah, or just making sure you have those people around huh. you that are gonna at least whoever you came with but that's gonna support you and that, that, like understands where you're coming from.
1: Now, see, that's yeah. interesting because listening to both of you, Kirsten, I know
0: you have like a, a you know
1: sometimes a, a loud personality, but I think that was a benefit to you in that situation to say, "Fuck it, I'm gonna be that asshole even if I look like that," which maybe nobody even thought you did. But it didn't matter. It's in your brain, right?
2: But I yeah. had
1: I had a partner early on that. Would have been fine if I'd have said, hey, I'm uncomfortable, I really need to leave. They'd have been like, cool, let's go. And I still couldn't, because there was that thing in my head that said, oh, you can't be the party, you can't, you need to be able to do this. And so I still couldn't tell them, even though I had the partner that would have been okay here, me. And I wasn't the loud enough personality to, to say, fuck it, I'm just gonna be an man. asshole. It was just, I guess I'll sit here and do my best not use like I got not know what else to do.
2: Yeah, but wait, and it's like, that's the thing is, when I felt like if I sat in that situation long enough, I might not have took that drink there, but I might have went and caught some dope later just because, like, that feeling, it just, Mm -hmm. it's it, I don't know if you guys know, I'm pretty sure you do know, you ever, okay, so that feeling you have when you're about to cop, that's the feeling I had sitting there, it was like that anxiety, like that super anxiety, and it can only be, like, cured by getting some shit, like, it was like, anxiousness that's it's anxiety i guess but like that's my when i when i'm anxious i'm like i feel like i'm about to cop like i say that all the time like it's like that feeling when you're about to cop
1: i felt like that the last three days about smoking <laughs>
2: <laughs> about smoking cigarettes really yeah, the, like yeah. have oh, you been God. trying to
1: quit uh yeah i haven't had mean i mean, I've, so i did quit and then i went back to vaping and smoking cigars and, and now i'm like on day three and i'm just like <laughs> on edge the entire time. Like, when I leave here, am I going to go buy a cigar? I don't, I don't know. know. Ooh, really?
2: you, probably, you probably
1: justified the whole kind of time. <laughs> I'm just going be- well, to have a cigar here. That's yeah, I'm it's right.
2: not a cigarette. It's just, right. you know, 10 cigarettes,
1: basically. <laughs> well, was, I'm just going to have a cigar, and then I uh, I've spending so much on cigars. I'm like, these aren't healthy. I'll buy disposable vapes, and then I'm spending like $100 on that. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. I'll get a real disposable vape. Disposable
2: cool. ones are super expensive. they don't oh, help God. you. But if you buy the big ones, they're expensive at first. But if you buy the ones at the vape <laughs> shops, they are cheaper.
1: And that's what I ended up doing. I was spending <laughs> so much on disposables. I was like, Christ, I might as well get a real one. Yeah, this is fucking crazy.
2: Now, now you're like the hopeless dope fiends rocking around with the vape now. Yeah, it's,
0: it's like from the outside watching the progression. It's like just like an addict, you know what I mean? Like I'm just gonna do this cigars, and it's only right. gonna be every now and again. So I can control this form of addiction. slowly leads you right back to Yeah. Did, so I now, that, did I say that?
2: Did I say that wrong? It's dope bliss. I said that right. Dope I cream on, I think I did. I'm like, wait a minute. Let me correct that because I'm that a uh, the shirt and have... slip.
1: <laughs> that might have been on purpose. It's uh,
2: backwards. It's like backwards.
1: <laughs> One of the other things it mentions besides you know poor self care, people, places, things, uncomfortable emotions. You know the the whole halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I was uh, very awful at recognizing that early on like i just knew i was angry that was the only thing (laughs) like am i angry because i'm hungry i don't know that i'm just angry Um, but i feel like that could definitely have something to do with with learning not to use if you're you know feeling feelings and don't know how to talk about them and maybe that's why early on the the recovery house environment and having someone there 24 hours a day can be so helpful not that everybody needs it but It does put your peers right there with you at all times. It's not like, oh, I'm feeling shitty Monday morning. I have to wait till Monday night at 7 p.m. for the NA meeting to talk to my people. It's like, no, I can just talk to people Monday fucking morning at breakfast.
2: Mm -hmm. Or right then and there.
1: Right. Do you feel like. So are you living at the house you're managing right now? Yeah. But you don't feel like you can talk to any of the people in it?
2: Because I have. It's there's like a few choice girls that'll come in and it'll be like, you know, they're cool. Like I could like, you know, but like I have, I I feel like even though I live here, I have to maintain some type of symbolism of professionalism, even though I'm not um, like, I, I talk to them sometimes. Like I'll tell them like when I'm not feeling like, too good but like I can't like break down and like I feel like I feel like I can't maybe that's just me but I feel like I can't just like break down to them you know
1: right and and how is that different from when you were at the other house
2: because at the other house like I, w- it wasn't my job so like mm. I just give them the grimy details not really care I like just give them the tea and not care like I didn't have to care about like maintaining any type of a Boundary, you know, like me and girls have no ba- me and them girls have no boundaries. It's really terrible. It's it's good, but it's really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so is if this like this boundary that
0: you have now? Is that something you set on yourself, or did the place that you work ask you to maintain that boundary?
2: They, uh, I mean, like they said they want some type of boundary, but they didn't tell me what the boundary was. <laughs> Like, I guess they just left it up for me to choose, like, but, um, you know, I can't be, like, running through here just telling them all the, I don't know, I just feel like I can't tell them every detail of my life, you know, like, even though it does look like a good example, I feel like, because it's like, okay, this girl's over here depressed for the past couple weeks, and uh, she's still clean, you know, she didn't go out. You know, if I look perfect, I feel like they're gonna they're gonna think they can't obtain what I have.
1: Yeah, I know. For me, I've definitely got to some points uh, where I thought I wasn't able to share about my struggles in a meeting because I thought I was supposed to be somewhere else with the amount of time or whatever I had. And like learning that that's not really reality for me today. Thank God, I can go in a meeting and look as ugly as I want. It really doesn't matter. Like. <laughs> That's, that's what they're there for, is to go be ugly there. But I, I guess what I can relate it to is seeing a lot of people get into working in the field. And so through working in the field, they don't have time for their own personal recovery anymore, but they assume that the work in the field is going to kind of replace it's that. Compensate, yeah. Right, I compensate for it. But the problem is you are limited. In what, it doesn't. Like you're, well, right, because when I'm up here in the field, I would be – Everything I'm sharing is only with the best interest of the other person. It's not really for my own recovery. Mm-hmm. But I need a place to share yes. about
2: me, too. Yes, that's, yep, you got that. That's what, like, that was kind of what I was trying to say is like, I could give them, like, something in my life and tell them stuff, but it's not really sharing. Like, right. I, you know, it's trying to show them, hey, look, you could do this. So do you feel like now you
0: have, like, a separate support
2: group down there where you are or have you developed a, a new support group it's mainly co-workers um Courtney B has been really like like my rock down here she's like my bestie down here um uh like you know my co-workers are awesome they're really awesome but uh it's just it's not really what I consider a network I mean one of the girls from my house moved back down here so I kind of have her we haven't really met up in person um i'm kind of like getting a little bit of something now are
1: the are the meetings of people in the house are going to uh are they in person are you guys going there's, out to in-person
2: meetings i wish there's zoom um i'll run them sometimes like i try to mix it up because they're so early in recovery they're not like the zooms are like the zooms are cool but there's something missing about them and that's what they're they don't they're not, like, they're not getting N.A. because of that, I guess. Right. Like, so I try to hold some stuff, you know, you know, over, overdoing like I usually do. So but, that's uh, interesting. How
1: does that work? Are you, like, required to go to a certain number of meetings with the house per week? And then you do doing a number on your own?
2: Or all of- I'm just doing it on my own. I'm not required. I gotcha.
1: I didn't know. I know there's some, some Dundalk meetings. It's not the closest thing to you, but. They're open down there if you needed to get some in-person stuff on your Mm. own.
2: Yeah, I didn't know that. So what's your biggest struggle to avoiding
1: situations (laughs) today? Like, you you know, maybe early on your struggle, it sounded like, was not enough structure. And so this time through, you were in a very structured, you know, recovery environment. And that's what kept you on point. But now that you've kind of got that period established... What would you say is the biggest struggle today? Are you starting to get concerned that maybe you're isolating and not talking to
2: enough of your own network? Yeah, um, definitely think I'm isolating because it's like I'm here 24-7, so I have to take time for myself. And then once I do, I feel like I take too much time. And then like just meeting new people, like I have to get out there and I have to get some friends. But it's like I'm scared that, especially the area I'm in, I'm scared that I'm going to meet the wrong friends. And that's just going to be it you know mm. we're all one second away from relapsing no matter how long you have like you're one situation away like i don't know i mean maybe the longer you have maybe the heart like the easier it is it'll be say no but like i feel like i don't know if someone actually pulled something out in my face right now like literally in my face my drug of choice whether i would say no or not like i i, I hope that i do but you can't, you can't be that confident in it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, I don't sit here and claim to be – I hope Billy doesn't have anything in his pocket, but, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> no, I mean, uh, do you have any other questions? Okay, well, Kirsten, I know you, you have 11 months now, and I'm super congratulated Thank on that.
2: Thank you. I'll have a year, September 25th.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Do
2: seven you have a hunger? At seven, uh, yes, it's the one on um, Paris, the Paris house. Oh,
1: okay, that
2: that's not online, is it? It's not online. We do we are in person. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't I
1: don't know that. Meeting, we that's... do
2: it at the Northeast Park. Oh, you're up there. Yeah, I celebrate the uh, what is it the 27th? Yeah, at seven at the Northeast Park.
1: Well, why weren't you up there a week ago?
2: Because I'm up here (laughs) now. They're just being nice and letting me celebrate. Uh That's where I did all my. Oh, so you came.
1: I I was there for Dennis,
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh... like, someone should Zoom me. (laughs) And he was like, not going to happen.
1: Oh, think that I've seen it done before. But we we do appreciate you coming on Kirsten, and talking about all the struggles um, and, and you know, possible ways to combat this. I, I think you've done an incredible job, especially considering some of the, you know, it's almost like the, the landmines you've put in front of yourself. Uh, and yet somehow that higher power of yours has managed to keep blessing you with continued, uh, you know, recovery and accidents Thank God. I think people need you.
2: Thank you. It's good talking to you. Yeah. All right. Nice talking to you. I'll talk to you later. Bye.
1: Just a final thought. We kind of ran out of a little bit of time today. Final thought to wrap up the idea is that uh, maybe avoiding situations is less about avoiding this or or taking this out or removing this from our life. And, And maybe really in general, it's just about what am I doing on a daily basis that I'm adding to my life to fill in these places, right? Do I have a place to be accountable? Do I have people helping me, you know, monitor my life and and my thinking? Am am I adding in all these, you know, my praying, my forming a relationship with some power bigger than me? Like Billy kind of said, you know, the baseball player doesn't end up in the bottom of the ninth at bat with two outs with the winning run on second every night, right? That might happen twice a season, if that. And, but he practices every day to get to that point so that he's ready for when that situation hits. And it's the same kind of thing. I think we just practice daily of adding in this healthier lifestyle, which gives us the ability to combat those moments, those bottom of the ninth moments when somebody serves up, you know, something that sounds like a good idea, we we have the ability to combat it. And so I hope everybody has a good week. Next week, step nine. See you then. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.